0: All with even less restraint than usual. Join us once more on 60 Saws That Explain the 90s every Wednesday on Spotify.
1: Hey! I'm so sorry I did that. I just I felt the need that I needed to say hello as a person that many of you may already know. I'm not going to say any names. Don't want to insult. How are you all? This is Jesse Gibson, aka Sports Boy, semi solo podcast today, and the reason I say that will be evident in a moment. But uh, I want to first off say happy baby moon to Mike and Hannah. They're off in Florida doing whatever people do when they can't. Drink and they're just at a hotel on the sand. I guess you spend a couple of days on the beach and then you get tired of it. And then I don't know what they do after that, but they'll they'll be there for a week doing that. I'm I'm sure he's listening now, cringing to himself, loving every moment of this podcast. But because things, you know, last episode was it was a little funny because you know Mike and I were not in the same room, and none of us, nobody on that podcast was in the same room, and. You guys have probably been able to tell, like, it's not always the best when you have no one in the room with you because there's always a little bit of a delay, a little lag. It doesn't come off as natural and fun. And I missed my buddy. So I just said, I said to myself, I said, self, what would you do if Mike were gone for an extended period? You know what you do? You bring in another buddy. And in this case, I couldn't just bring in one of my own. I thought about my brother, but I was like, that's more of a a Jesse. Uh, fan. I mean, I'm sure he likes Mike, but I wanted to bring in a mutual friend. So Today, I've brought in a friend who none of you know. He's no one to anybody other than our close circle of people. His name is Tyler Hernandez. Tyler, welcome to the podcast.
2: Thanks for having me, Jesse. I am a longtime listener, first-time caller. I believe that's the standard <laughs> introduction for a for a, a radio call. Conference. I'm going
1: to need that Red Bull to go right down the gullet. I'm going to need energy. I'm going to need vibrance. I want all of it. I, you know, I can
2: do that. I've had okay. a ton of caffeine. Yeah. I've had the Red Bull, so I am ready to go.
1: I feel it. Yeah. I feel it. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to encourage you through positivity. This is the first time Tyler's ever been on a podcast, listeners. Um, he is a g- good friend of both Mike and I's. Uh, he has a little bit of card knowledge, a little bit of sports knowledge. I consider him dangerous in those areas. But what I really wanted... Was just someone to banter off of because we have a guest. We're going to do an interview with Matt powers from power sports memorabilia. We're going to talk about autographs. In fact, spoiler alert, we already did the, uh, the interview. It went great. You, you guys are going to love it, but In between that time, I'm going to be talking about a number of other things. And I wanted someone to be in the room with me. And that's what you're here for.
2: Yeah. And that's something I can do. I can carry on a conversation (laughs) every every once in a while. I make you chuckle.
1: So, well, you know, proof's in the pudding. So we're going to see. speaking of pudding today, you are the Jesse and I am Mike. I may say things like Jimmy Dean's or things like that. I, I don't know. I don't want to do I, am I that guy? I
2: mean, that's okay. I, You know, you can ref- refer to me as Sports Boy Jr.
1: I'd be okay with that. I, I hate that name. I, mean, I, I am Sports Boy only. That's a copywritten name. Don't you dare try and use that again. Thank you very much, sir. Wow. Already jumping into stealing my role. Are you trying to replace me, bro? I mean, you told me I was the Jesse for the day, so I was going to run with it. But, you know, <laughs> let, let's, let's just see how it goes from here. I know if uh, Mike were here, you know what he would say.
2: Absolutely, yeah.
1: That's what he would say. I pulled a few Mike uh, quotes so I could put them on the soundboard. So it would sound like he was here with us. What do you feel about that?
2: And there's nothing quite like having Mike Giuseppe in your ear uh, during a podcast. Make those Jimmy's dance. There you go. That's that's what you need to, to get through your day. That's why people
1: listen, right? That's why they listen. That's the only reason. Um, so what's going to happen is we're going to go through. We're going to hit a rundown because I have the pleasure of doing that. You guys are going to get to know what we're going to talk about. It's going to be a number of non-sport things. So just set your faces to stunned on that one. I know you already figured, but we are going to talk a little sport knowledge right off the bat. We got to talk... Wimbin Yama, excuse me. We are going to then talk some Disney stuff. We're going to talk a little bit of celebrity card news. Then we'll get into our interview. Then we'll get into your mailbag. So that's what's about to happen. Let's go ahead and hit with the
0: big picture.
1: So <laughs> with that being said, big picture is going to be Wimbinyana, Uh Wimbin just got his first ever TOPS card signed. You're familiar with TOPS, right? That's a trading card.
2: Yes, absolutely. So
1: far, so good. Okay. So far, so good. Still with you. If you have any jokes you want to just throw out there at any point, like a knock-knock, you're, f- you're free to do that.
2: Okay, yeah. If one okay. comes to me, I'll just I'll just cut you off and we'll run with that.
1: Perfect. Awesome. Thank you, Tyler. You're already making my life so much easier. I appreciate that. Yama is coming out in a product that i think everyone knows about at this point bowman inception university or bowman university inception whatever it is it comes out tomorrow this is thursday comes out friday the 19th everybody's obsessed with this because this is going to be the first real product that he's in that you can get a signed autograph of him the issue that i am having is the amount of weight that is being put on this product and his card in particular, because let's just break something down for just a second. If you're not familiar, Tyler, the women Yama is the hottest prospect in the NBA since LeBron. I mean, that's just, that's just how it is. He is being considered by most people right now. I mean, some articles are even saying of all time. (laughs) I love the research. Yes, I did. I love it. This is so good. He's wearing a Warriors shirt, by the way, so I don't know. Is that even like you You are more of a sports fan than I, I am, I assume, right?
2: I do. I, I do watch basketball occasionally. I absolutely love football. I watch sports. Who's I your do. favorite basketball player? I mean, don't say curry. You know ever- what?
1: Jordan Pools. Jordan Poole's up there. That's an answer I would have said. I don't know if I would have said pool. Okay, maybe I believe you. All right. So Women Yama is in Bowman University Inception as of tomorrow. And everyone is trying to get into this project because they want to get his card. If you aren't already familiar, you can go out to eBay and check some of the uh the cards that he was initially in was the Sports Illustrated, the 2023 Sports Illustrated for Kids Magazine. Everyone was tearing those out, going and getting those graded. And, I mean, a PSA 8 literally yesterday just sold for $2,675. This guy, everyone is obsessed with. And I get it because he is hot uh, as far as all all the talk. He's done well over in the French League. But here's what I'm worried about is bag holders. And I I say that because I just want to throw out some information That I want to make sure everyone is considering when we're talking about how great he is. I'm not saying he's not great because he is. He he plays well, especially for his size, what he can do. All these things are great. The the concern I have is that he's already being priced as the next LeBron, but he has not actually performed professionally in the NBA at that level yet. And what if something happens? Here's Here's a few things we can consider. One. As a big man, he is, some say 7'2", others say 7'3". He's a very large guy, and big men are more prone to injury. He has had some injuries in the Euro-slash-French leagues. He uh, was out some in 2022. There are concerns, obviously, that that could happen. What happens to card values? Obviously, they go down in that situation. What happens if he's another, you know, Porzingis who gets injured, is out for like over uh, what almost two years or something. Obviously hobby value got destroyed. There are concerns that he is going to uh, not have the, the time on the court that he needs to solidify himself as a all time great. And you're going to see values go down. So that's one concern. Number two, if you're not familiar right now, he is in a French league. He was in a Euro league. The French league, when you look at you know the size of NBA or basketball leagues outside the NBA across the world, where where would you guess the French league is as far as like overall size of the league? Uh,
2: top five. I I, okay. I I have no idea. I mean, when you say where's the French league at, I immediately think France. I well, don't know if that's the right answer.
1: If I was meaning geography, you would probably be absolutely right. The I meant more of the size of it And the Euro League which is the league he played on before the, the French league that he's coming from. The Euroleague is the number one league outside as far as size goes outside of the NBA. So obviously that's going to be the most comparable to how uh, the kind of players that he's going to play with in the actual NBA. Euroleague was number one French league. Number seven, not in the top five, a little bit further down. In the Euro, in the French League, he has an average of, this last year, a little over 21, almost 22 points per game, 10 rebounds. Uh, He shoots 47% from the field goal. He has some pretty darn impressive stats. And if you watch him play, he, of course, he, he moves well and all that's great. The issue comes from when he was playing in the Euro League. Now, granted... He was a little younger. That was about, uh, I think it was a year, a year and a half before this. He had these stats, six and a half points per game, 3.8 rebounds, 35% field goal. This is when he was playing in the league that it was much more comparable to the NBA. So again, does this mean he's going to come over and he's just going to be terrible? I'm not saying that I'm not the guy who could even say that I'm just saying from a semi fan of any athletic ability, I think that you have to be cautious. If we're basing his hobby value around only what we have seen so far, because there are a few things that go against him. And with the prices that we're seeing right now, Again, what is it, 2600, 2700 almost for a PSA 8 for that first card? I'm just concerned what these new cards are going to start going for, especially with the autos, and what that could essentially mean for people who are holding the bag if he's not as great as what everyone expects. Thoughts?
2: What are you doing? That would be my question for you.
1: You have the card.
2: What decision is Sportsboy making?
1: oh, I definitely want his card. I mean, I still want it. Like, don't get me wrong. I still definitely want his card. I want a few of the cards in the that product. There is already someone, uh, Matt, uh, a good friend of the show, reached out with some numbers. These are rough numbers. They may not be 100% accurate, but I think it was like one in 78,000. Um, uh, one in 78,000 are the chances to pull one of his cards, I guess. That's 78,000 cards, so I I don't know 100% like how many packs that would be. Or maybe it's one in 78,000 packs. I need to double-check those numbers. But bottom line is, you're not going to have a huge chance of pulling his cards anyway. Um, Oh, I'm sorry. It's one in 78,000 autos is is essentially the odds. So 0.03% is the chance of pulling one of his autos. It just doesn't seem like there's a high likelihood. So it's not a ton, so it's not going to which to me means that they're going to be even more rare, which means the price is going to go even higher. Again, that's where I feel like people are going to run into that issue of, I paid X amount and it is half that now because he got injured or because he's not playing as well or whatever the case may be. So overall, that's my thought. That's a warning to anybody listening.
2: I mean, the other thing too, he's so young. He's 19 years old. Yeah, I'm born in 2004, which is also mind blowing, but he's a kid. Yep. And there's a lot of hype
1: around him. A lot of hype around. him. Thank you, Tyler. I appreciate that. My concern is Mike Giuseppe is going to be listening to this episode. And, you know, I'm not the sports talk solo guy. I feel like he is just spinning in his he's not dead. But if he were, he'd be spinning in his grave. I don't know what he'd do as a live person, but he's not going to like it. Um, So with that being said, let's move on to our next topic. I've talked about this a number of times recently and I keep getting like the episode goes long or whatever the case and I never get to dive into it. How familiar are you with the company Disney?
2: I'm pretty familiar. I got a subscription to Disney plus. Does that count?
1: What's your favorite show on there? Ooh,
2: uh, probably Andor. Andor oh, is a great show. I
1: haven't actually watched that. Well, Mandalorian, of course, would have been my go-to, but
2: uh bold, bold statement here. The season three Mandalorian, best season out of all of them by far.
1: Okay. Just go ahead and stop right there. I don't want to talk anymore about it because I haven't seen that one yet. So stop.
2: It's, don't it's a great stop. season. Stop. We're gonna go there. We'll end it at that. Carlos cut all of his audio. Um,
1: all right. So you know we've heard of Disney. Disney Lorcana is the next big card thing coming to. The, the hobby, as far as card collecting goes, because it's, it's new and it's very popular already. It's got a huge fan base. Disney, everyone knows Disney across the world. It's not just a US based thing. What I have been really focused on is what the cards from there was an event back in uh, last year, they called the D23, where a number of promotional cards got sent out. They're hugely popular. Graded ones go for 25 to three thousand um, dollars. everyone wanted these cards and this is just the beginning of what is going to be what many think are is like the next Pokemon because it's very similar to Pokemon in the sense of people want the cards because they like the characters so they'll collect that, but there's also a game behind it so they're gonna play that. So there's going to be obviously a desire just to uh, uh, not just to kids, but also to adults. Therefore, as a collector slash investor in things in this hobby, I think Disney Lorcana will be huge, especially because this, what's coming out in August, here in the next couple months, this will be the very first of these cards, uh, the first official cards coming out. There are a few things people have been wanting to know uh, you know, what all is involved? Are they going to be make more of these? Is this a game? So I just wanted to a- answer some of those questions. First off, before I do any of this, I will say I am invested. I spent like two grand on pre-orders of boxes for these cards. So, yes, I do have an investment. Uh it is not a pump and dump because I don't think I will sell these until I retire. Because honestly, I view this as. These are the very first ones. Think about like what any first card does in any of the, the parts of the hobby, whether it's sports, whether it's Pokemon or anything else, the first ones tend to hold their value and go up. So my thought is these cards that I'm purchasing, I will be holding onto them for a very long time. That being said, this is a game. This will be a game very similar to Pokemon. So there's going to be a lot of kids playing. They're going, this set is going to be mainly classic Disney characters. So, you know, your Peter Pan's Captain Hooks, your Snow White, you're, I don't know. I can't think of any other really main Disney characters. All I want to say is like Pixar stuff, but Pixar is not in this. In fact, Star Wars is not in this. They are more than likely uh, being uh, hinted at for other series which will be coming down the line. That also being said, someone asked last week, are there going to be more cards? Yes, obviously. This is called Chapter 1. You know, there are already plans for more series, or or, I'm sorry, more cards in this series. I think the next one is already said to be coming out uh, late November, early December, I want to say. I think I've got a date here in just a second. But bottom line is, yes, this is going to be uh, and ongoing things, very similar. They're saying very similar to Pokemon in the sense that I think they come out with like four different uh, series each year. Uh, the same thing with Lorcana, They're going to have four different ones, uh, four expansion sets each year. And it does look like it's going to be coming out December 17th. That is when the second set comes out. So again, the this first set comes out August. Uh, I think the delivery date for pre-orders is like August 18th or something. I, I do have a vested interest again. So take that as you will. But if you consider the reach of the characters on these cards, the hobby as an investment for a lot of people, just the collector, the, the collector appeal, the appeal to the mass audiences, both young and old. I really do think that this has some legs. I think it's got some staying power. I think it's a really good option, especially because they're gonna. It's not just a, an American thing. You know, Pokemon is very well known in America and Japan. I, I'm sure it's in other parts of the world, but they are making these cards available in English, French, and German. They will be released all across the world uh, in September. Again, in the U S., they come out just a little bit earlier. I I have trouble believing that this stuff is not going to go up in value. Your thoughts?
2: Well, I think Disney has the customer base right out of the gate, but also nostalgia. Yeah. that That is worth something as well. I mean, you look at some of these cards. I, I had to do a quick Google search because I'd never heard of it until you mentioned it 30 seconds ago. <laughs> but looking at like Timon, Flounder, uh, Sergeant Tibbs, these are some of the characters that we grew up with. Lion th-
1: King. Yes. Yeah. I love. Yes.
2: And so I think people are going to jump all over it for the nostalgia factor to say that they have it because they grew up with these cartoon characters.
1: I agree. What? Okay, go ahead. Name a Disney character that you would want on a card. A Disney Not character? a Pixar. Give me a Disney. King Triton. King Triton Little from Mermaid. Mer- Little Mermaid. Little, really? Dude was jacked. Yeah, it's just a weird... I didn't... <laughs> King Triton. Okay. You know what? Fair enough. I would have gone with... Um, Little John from Peter Pan uh, movie with the car- cartoon characters. You know what I'm talking about? No, not at all. You don't, you didn't see Peter, not Peter. Pan. I said Peter Pan, Robin hood. Oh okay. my goodness. I'm so sorry. That's, um, but yeah, little John was always, I was always a big kid growing up and I don't know. I saw little John is like, Oh, that's my boy over there. Or you could also say blue. He's essentially blue from uh, the jungle book. So I'm fine with either of that.
2: Actually blue from the jungle book. That would be a good one as well.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Here's, here's the bottom line guys. Take it or leave it. You're, you only care about sports cards. That's fine. I'm not here to push it, my agenda onto you. I'm just letting you know for those who were asking questions, why is this a thing? Why are people talking about it? That is why, because there's a lot of hype behind it. There's a lot of people who already care about it and there's a lot, a lot of potential. So, uh, that's your Disney Lorcana update, man, we are flying through this episode before we get to our guests though. I did want to touch on one thing and that was celebrity cards specifically. I believe someone in the, uh, mailbag last week was asking about pop century stuff. So I know like some of the buddies of the show, you know, Eddie Mancini from geo breaks, uh, Ken over at card shop Evansville. These guys are also, even though they do mainly all like sports card breaks, they will occasionally do uh, non-sports cards and they also love Pop Century. So it is, I think it's really cool that Pop Century has a fan base in a lot of sports fan or sports hobby collectors. Are you, So you don't know anything about what I'm talking about, but Pop Century is essentially a product that Leaf puts out, uh, Leaf Trading Cards, that makes cards of celebrities and for the most part has a good amount of rarity to them. There's not a ton of them and most of them are autographed. I pulled up what are some of the best-selling sports cards in the last few weeks. I, I didn't want to do over the last, you know, year to date because the hobby just like we're going to talk about with um Matt uh, Powers our guest, hobby's constantly changing. And just because a couple months ago, back in March, there were a ton of sales. A lot of this stuff was selling really well. Not to say there aren't still things that are selling really well right now. In fact, Cardlighter says entertainment cards are one of the best-selling or best-performing indexes right now. But those some things that were hot then are not as hot now. So I'm going to point out a few of the things that seem to continue to stay hot and some things that are a little newer. So this is your opportunity to shine, Tyler. I'm going to quiz you a little bit on some of these celebrity cards. First off, I would like to just, if you had to guess, a current celebrity that might be a very popular autograph. Do you have any? I just want to see where your head's at. Because more than likely, it's not going to be one of these. But I'm just curious. What, what would you say?
2: Well, I did a quick Google search. Oh, does it? Cheater? Does that count? I, I mean, look. Dude, the first thing that
1: popped up, if yeah. you're curious, Chuck Norris, <laughs> Chuck Norris. Okay. So here's the thing. Chuck Norris is a very popular signature. I did pull these based on highest price. So when we were talking about these, I want the audience to know that there may be other celebrities that are very popular, but they may sign a lot more or there just may be more of them out there and therefore they don't have uh, as big of a price tag on them. So that being said, anybody that you would think would be a high-priced auto in the celebrity world?
2: Yeah, in in celebration of Fast X coming out, I would
1: say maybe a Paul Walker <laughs> card, R.I.P. Dude, uh, that's a good man. That's, would, he's definitely not on here. I would
2: pay quite a bit of money for a, an autographed Paul Walker card. Are you a, a Fast and Furious I fan? I am a diehard Fast and the Furious fan.
1: I love that about you, dude. I, uh, I love them except I'm not a diehard because I have not seen nine Although, and ten's about to come out. We binge
2: watched fast and the furious at your house.
1: Yeah. Well, I wait, did we, we did. We oh, did. okay. Well, here's the thing about that. I don't remember, but also I, that doesn't help me because you can't binge watch the entire series. There's nine movies currently out about to be a 10th. That's an entire day's worth. I know we didn't do that. So whatever the case may be, that's a very, very good guess. Paul Walker, I think would go for killer money, one of... Oh, no pun intended.
2: <laughs> oh, gosh. That's,
1: it, That's something Mike would have said. I apologize. RIP, big guy. <sighs> Absolutely, yeah. Anyway, um, the one of the big guys on this list that is no longer signing is James Gandolfini. Oh. So he is actually the number two for the last... What is it? Today's May 18th. The last 18 days, uh, his card is the highest, second highest... Pop century card that was sold um at least on any of the the platforms that can be measured through card ladder so it went for fifteen hundred dollars this was an uh one out of five uh auto tony soprano pop century card uh it is graded some of these it's very interesting some of them are raw cards, but again some of them are are graded I'll distinguish if it is or isn't, but it is just interesting to know that some of these go for crazy values, even without a grade on them. In fact, number one and number three on this list are the same person. One is graded, one is not. The one that's graded is going for a higher value. Let me give you the values and then I'll I'll give you a hint because I I still don't think you're going to have any clue. The first card is what's known as a BGS 9, an auto 10, and it is two out of three. So there's not a lot of them. Again, it is autographed. The third card on the list is, again, the same person. It is a three out of three, different card, not graded. It, the first one sold for 3200 The third one sells for 1350 These, again, sold in the last 18 days. It is a artist, music artist, female, someone we would have known growing up. You are, wait, you're 30, right? I am 30 years old. Yes. Middle yeah. age, basically. Uh, not so, quite. You're not that young, bro. Just give up. Um, this is a very popular female artist. Any guesses?
2: If it's somebody we knew growing up, I'd say Britney Spears was Baby, all the rage.
1: Hit me one more time. That is exactly right. Britney Spears is a very, very popular, uh, and which is funny because I don't remember, like Kim Kardashian, I think, is associated with uh, Pop Century a lot. And that's one that everybody knows. Britney Spears is apparently also very big. There's a number of her cards. You know, some of these are trying to be sold for $10,000. One of hers was sold for $10,000 back in March. Uh, these, again, since May, last 18 days, $3,200, $1,350 for these autos. One's graded. The $3,200 one was graded. Just interesting. Uh, she again comes up a few times as someone who is a more popular autograph. So, if you're looking to get into this, you just or you want to get someone who is not going to be, you know, hot today and gone tomorrow, she does seem to have some staying power as well. Another one who is not necessarily in the top list of sales in May, um, because the value his value ranges. Between like three and 500 dollars, maybe some at 600 dollars, it's just that he has a few more signatures, so I think that that's why he's not uh, his individual cards aren't going for, you know, a few thousand, usually. But he is consistent over the last few years. Uh, ever since I started collecting, in fact, Harrison Ford has been consistently priced high.
2: I mean, if they're only going to go up, he's getting old, uh, he you know, I'm not going to wish anything bad on him, but, uh, he's getting to that age where his stuff is going to become increasingly more valuable in the next few years.
1: Harrison Ford. I mean, like the star Wars man, Indiana Jones, he's got some of the most iconic series. If you're looking to get into any autographed uh, memorabilia, I think his auto seems to be very popular among collectors as well. Um, the other one, as far as, like, that is high priced, is going to be, like, stuff that I don't know as... Has, I wouldn't include them on the staying power list. Um, so you've got, like, Sylvester Stallone. He has uh, a non-graded one-of-one one auto that sold for $900. you have got, like, the four... Like, four of the main characters from Stranger Things. They had one uh, signed out of four that went for $700. Millie Bobby Brown, the main character in that, she's a very... Uh, Popular. uh, She is one that I think will have a little more staying power, but time will tell. Um, And then a few of these other ones again, Amelia Clark, uh, DMX, DMX isn't signing anymore. So his actually might have a little bit more staying power. Again, these are not crazy expensive cards. These are cards that you could get, add to your collection. And other than like, I don't think Amelia Clark is necessarily one that would have, you know, would still be valued the same in a year from now, but. Definitely some of these artists who have passed away. I was just looking up. I've got this Leonard Nimoy card right here. Um, it's a Skybox card. I can't remember the year. Let me see. Uh, 1998. I bought this at the first national I ever went to back in 2001 in Chicago. I think I paid like $200 for it or something. I just looked it up and ungraded. This card is going for like four to $500. Nice. Like sold. So if you're getting autos. I mean, I, I hate to sound morbid, but if you're getting them of people who've passed away where where the autos are a little more rare, they just intrinsically are going to have a little higher value.
2: You know, if we're talking American icons as well on yeah. these Pop Century cards, what about a Tom Hanks card? Bro. Are those out there? I mean, that I feel like would fetch a pretty penny,
1: right? I mean... I like where your head's at. Uh, they definitely aren't in the Pop Century product. I am going to just look real quick. I did... You know what's funny is... I asked, uh, I, I asked Brian Gray to come on the show. I know that there's been some bad blood or maybe a little beef between him and Mike in the past, but I did want to know more about Pop Century, Any, like, anything new coming up in uh, the next product that releases. He did not get back to me in time. Granted, I only messaged him about an hour before the show. So whatever. I apologize. We couldn't get him on. But Tom Hanks auto cards are not a thing. I think that you're exactly like a Forrest Gump auto card would be huge. I would love to see something like that. Um, what does your wife think about the fact that you are coming down to a show about cards? Does she care about cards? She does not care about cards.
2: She just warned me, don't say anything dumb. That <laughs> that was her, don't make us look bad, I think is exactly what she said. So I'm try, trying not to do that.
1: Your wife is a wise, wise woman. So far, so good. I haven't really let you in to speak all that much, but the times you have have been pretty killer.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm glad I'm contributing in some way. I mean, I, I'm also glad to know I wasn't your first choice. I think we've, we've established that. <laughs> well,
1: to be fair, my first choice was John Cena and then Bill Simmons, and I messaged them both yesterday, and neither of them got back to me, which is a little insulting. Um, but whatever. It is what it is. Maybe next time. Yeah. Um I will also say I tried to get a hold of Taylor Swift. Apparently she's a- in Foxborough going to be doing a concert for the next 3 days. What's the deal Taylor? You could have been on Sports Cards Nonsense podcast with your boy and you decided to bail. Whatever. No big deal. I'm not holding a grudge.
2: Look, the result was that I am here, Jesse. So, I mean, it, co- it couldn't have gone
1: any better. Right? No. For someone who's never been on a podcast before, I think you're holding your own pretty well.
2: I like to talk. You I like do. to talk. I'm trying to make, I'm trying to make Gio proud. I mean, I know he's out there body surfing and punching the waves. I think as that's, you guys discussed a few weeks ago. You listened. Wow. I, I, like I said, long time <laughs> listener,
1: first time caller. Yeah, that's a lie. He's such a liar. Um, Listen, it doesn't matter. I am glad you're here because it is nice to just have opportunities where someone else speaks so I can have a sip of water, you know, quench my parchedness, if you will. Um, That's your your celebrity card update. Uh, I appreciate anybody who, you know, is in this side of the the hobby because this is really things that I care more about as far as... I care about sports collecting, but I care more about that from an investment point of view. I like the celebrity card investing, not for the, the money necessarily. I do like that. It also can be valuable, but I love the fact that I have like my Taylor Swift Kanye card over in my drawer next to me that I will never sell. It's one of my most popular cards, or it's one of my most liked cards. And I don't know, I don't think everyone would say that about Taylor Swift or Kanye West, but to me, I think it's really cool.
2: Yeah, I mean I don't I don't have any uh celebrity cards. I purchased a, a George Kittle card from, from Geo a little while what ago. What did I
1: tell you about talking about sports? I, I said stop it. Look,
2: I, I uh <laughs> love love me some Kittle. I probably will never sell that card. I already sold my Debo card uh pretty quickly because it just escalated in value so much.
1: So. Wow, not a real fan, obviously. You jerk. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, I gotta get while the getting's good on those. I'm not going to hold it against you. That's fair. Um, All right. You know what? This brings us up to date. I think it's time to throw it to our guest. Matt Powers from Power Sports Memorabilia is going to be joining us. Let's go ahead and see what he has to tell us about the future of autographs in the hobby. Matt Powers, thank you so much for joining us. Matt Powers of Power Sports Memorabilia. How are you today, sir? Uh, I'm about ready to head out of town, so I'm doing excellent. Oh, well, thank you very much for joining. Where are you going? Are you doing any hobby-related things? Uh, this one is a girls' soccer tournament. So, uh, no.
0: Uh, it's going to be rather uh, boring, I should say. But uh, it'll be fun, though. We're going down to Texas for a couple days.
1: Oh, okay. Okay. Well, you know what? Who knows? You be you could be there with the next Mia Ham. That's a female I told, soccer I player. told my 10-year-old, if she doesn't score any goals, we're never doing another tournament. <laughs> I like that. Tough love. There's, there's at
2: least good food in Texas.
1: Oh, there you go. Yes. Good, You yes. got that going for you too. Um, all right. So if anyone's not familiar, uh, Matt Powers, give us a little background about what it is that you do for a living and how you got into it. So the main thing we do
0: is autograph signings where people can send in their items. We get it signed by their favorite athletes. We sell autographs and cards and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I got started back in the business uh, in 2004. I was on, some of you probably have probably been familiar with this website, monster.com, looking for a job. Sure. And uh, my buddy from high school, who I played baseball with, was working at a sports memorabilia company. This is out in California. And uh, I had just got done with an Oakland A's internship, working in their premium seating department. And I applied with him, started working with uh, that company. And then in 2008, I started my own deal. And so I've just been kind of doing it online since then. And the ironic part is that company that I started working with is actually out of business now. So it's, uh, kind, of, it's kind of come full
1: circle. The, the uh, trainee has become the master, it sounds like. That's cool. Um, uh, yeah, I
0: guess. Nice <laughs> way of looking at that.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, Actually, before we get too, uh, too further into this, I have to ask you, do you know the name Eddie Mancini at all? Does that name ring oh, yeah. any bells? I- you do? I went to okay, high school with Eddie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so that's funny. Uh, so Eddie uh, now runs a breaking page called Geo Breaks. He actually right. purchased that from Mike Geo Seffi, the guy who is usually here with me. And uh, he reached out when I put up a post in our Facebook group about, you know, we're having you on. Anybody have questions, this and that. He had mentioned like, oh, yeah, I went to high school with that dude. So fuck, small world. <laughs> who would have thought? Small card world, I guess. Yeah, he's from uh, where is Eddie from? He's from Pacifica,
0: I think, is where he went. Uh, that's where he's from by San Francisco. Tyler, you're from California too, right?
2: I am originally from the Modesto area. Oh, wow. No, okay. That's cool. 209. Nice. Yeah. yeah too, and I still rep the 209 area code. Haven't changed it since junior high.
1: Yeah. Okay. That's yeah. enough of this. You okay. Know what, this the is thing the Tennessee with California, podcast.
2: though, is everybody that's from California
0: that leaves says they'll never go back. Like, I'm done. Not going back ever again. Too expensive.
2: Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Tennessee is God's country. Love oh. it. Couldn't be happier. Oh.
1: I love yes. hearing that. Absolutely. That's so sweet of you. Um, All right. So, Matt, have to ask you a few general questions, and then we'll get into, like, some real heavier meat stuff and some questions from uh, our guys who want to know from you specifically about autographs. Um, But as far as getting an autograph, what is, like, the the essential for you to set up an autograph with a celebrity or a sports person? What is the process of doing something like that? Because I know you put out a YouTube video just recently about guys getting into this as a business so i assume like there must be steps to get to that place
0: so there's two different ways that you can do signings and there's one you can do it yourself so you can contact the athlete the agent uh, whoever it is that you need to work with in order to set that up and of course they're going to have a minimum dollar amount usually or a minimum piece amount and so you can set it up and do it that way uh, another way that's kind of more common nowadays because a lot of these contracts have just gotten so large for a lot of these big time athletes is two, three, four or five people will kind of work together and um, offer out these items to customers where people then can send in and when we can purchase something directly from the athlete. So typically that's how it works is a guys will set up a deal and then they'll offer it out to guys like me and we'll essentially kind of
1: all partner in on the, the signing. Okay. Um If you are getting something signed, if someone's wanting to, I guess, get into this business, I guess the real money would come from flipping autographs, memorabilia, or is there somewhere else that you can make money in this side of the business?
0: There are tons of different areas of opportunities. Uh, I think the signings part is a little more complicated than people kind of realize. There's just a ton of money that's got to be done up front. You're going to have to get your items. You're going to have to market it. You're going to have to have customers. You can't just buy 300 pieces of an athlete and hope it's going to go well and hope you're going to sell those rather quickly. So I like I said in my video, I always tell people to start off by just buying items and selling them and flipping them. Because number one, you can prove your concept that you're actually doing something. You're actually making money. Two, it's not as risky as going out and doing a signing with a guy. I, mean, I remember one of the first guys I did a signing with, back when I started my business, was Thomas Robinson. And if you don't remember who Thomas Robinson was, he played for the Kansas Jayhawks, was an All-American, great player, got drafted in the first round by the Kings. Nobody knows who he is. So I spent uh, probably four or five years unloading his stuff. Oh, wow. So it was a complete loss, right? But imagine if you were just getting started, and that was the first thing that you did was do a signing with a guy, and he doesn't pan out. We all know prospects don't really pan out. Now
1: you're stuck, right? And what do you do with these 400, 500 pieces of a guy? So maybe we can take it back a little bit too. And could you give us your thoughts on getting autographs on memorabilia to begin with? Because a lot of guys, obviously, who are listening to this podcast are card collectors. And we know that cards with an autograph typically sell for a premium. And now we're seeing more and more people lean towards, well, I'm only going to collect a card with an autograph because there are so many cards, so many parallels out there. That's what really distinguishes it and sets it apart. Do you think that autographs are like the future of card collecting? I'm going to say
0: no. And the reason why is there's probably something that hasn't been developed yet that is probably going to overtake something like that. I think, I personally think a lot of the, if fanatics can get this right with the memorabilia cards, like putting game use actual pieces in there, with, you know, the exact date of the game and all that kind of information. I think that stuff's pretty cool. And then adding an autograph onto that is going to make it double cool, right? depending on who the collector is. But I really think a lot of the game used kind of patch cards have kind of, um, I don't know, not lived up to their hype, because we all know Panini puts that stuff on the back of their card saying it's not used from an, a game, it's from an event and all that kind of junk. But I think of Fanatics, and they can be kind of shown early with those uh, opening day patches that they were putting in some of the cards. I personally like a lot of those game-used ones because the game-used jerseys are can be very expensive for certain athletes, but if you can get a nice little patch card if you're into collecting cards, and they put the specific information on the back of it, imagine if it was from, like, uh, you collect Otani or something like that, and it was from, not to say that ever cut up a no hitter jersey but something to that effect i think that's actually pretty cool but again i do like autographs just because that's kind of how i started in the industry and then i branched out the cards so that's mainly what we do is people send in cards and get them signed but i think the game use stuff is going to be really interesting to see what happens with that
1: okay yeah i I mean i don't think there's any doubt that that would also be a big part of the the future of the hobby but i think it is i think from my personal opinion it seems like you have to have something other than a card in a lot of cases again you know numbering things parallels of things those can also distinguish and you know make something more rare and therefore more valuable but i i don't know if you really beat the piece of material that was game worn or an autograph and i think autograph is probably in a lot of cases going to be maybe harder to get in your situation you buy and sell memorabilia is an autograph harder to get than like the game-worn piece of clothing? I say getting an autograph is
0: getting to be harder just because Fanatics is... I hate to bring it, keep bringing up Fanatics here, but they're putting limitations on the, on their signings, right? So if, if a Fanatics guy is doing a private signing, we can't send in cards or tickets to get signed. And so Fanatics is kind of cornered that market on uh, that stuff for right now. Now, some of the guys, you can bring it to shows and you can get them like Johnny Bench is going to be at the... Hall of Fame signings uh, coming up in July or so. And he'll be signing cards. I guess it's a max five you can get done. Um, So in that particular area, it's kind of tough to get an autograph. Now, it's also harder to get an autograph because guys got to agree to do signings. But you got guys like John Stockton who won't sign. So you got guys like Jordan who are upper deck exclusive. So those are going to be kind of the limitations of getting autographs. And that's kind of on the extreme end. But I think most guys are kind of open to doing autograph signings. But people like getting autographs on stuff because they can make one of one items for themselves. Like, it's totally unique to them. It can be a unique pen color, unique inscription, unique card they get done. Like, I sell stuff that nobody else has signed because I'm the only one that's gotten that particular item signed. So I think what you're getting at about autographs is I think that's why people
1: really like it is because they can make a unique item one of one for themselves. Do you see, like, you've probably seen, like, social media and stuff where guys are players come out after the game, they're lining up to meet some of the fans and they'll do a a signing. And you see like the kid reaching out like, Oh, can you sign this? And then you see the grown adult with like 10 things in their hands with a marker, pushing the kids out of the way. What are your thoughts on some of those actions? So I've, I've never personally been a chaser. It's uh, not to say I don't, I don't like
0: getting guys autographs, um, but I'm more into the, the the selfie kind of thing. I think that's kind of a little more fun. It's a little more memorable. Uh, It, so it is kind of a little weird for guys to be kind of chasing around other guys at the at the, at the stadium and then pushing kids out of the way uh, or they pay the kid to go down there and get the autograph for them. Uh that's that's a little odd. But listen, I get it, man. I, you talk about social media like everybody's always quick to criticize someone else and what they're doing. And if if people make a living doing that and you know they're respectful to the athlete, respectful to the kids, like I've got no problem with it if people choose to do that. I just don't choose to do that because For me, it's hard for me to... Yes, I can get the item authenticated by JSA, PSA, or Beckett. But it's hard for me to validate that autograph if I don't get it at a signing to a customer and say, yes, 100%, this is a legit autograph. Because when you send stuff out third party, it's only an opinion. And so I would much rather sell stuff that has been witnessed by you know PSA, Beckett, Fanatics, JSA. That way, customers of mine can know know, 100% that the autograph that they're
1: getting is authentic. So that's a good question when it comes to authenticity and how that affects the grade. I mean, if, if I send my card into PSA and they deem it as authentic versus, you know, I've got someone there from PSA or Beckett or JSA or whatever the case may be seeing me sign or seeing them sign the, the card, is there really a difference in value there if they're both getting graded as authentic?
0: So to the novice collector, probably not. So someone that's maybe just kind of coming in that really doesn't understand the different type of slabs that PSA will put out there, probably not. But to a let's say a guy that does a random signing, for example, like I don't know, Kevin Garnett, right? Tough autograph or let's say John Stockton was to do one and PSA was there and you were able to get your FLIR rookie card done and it was put into a PSA witness slab, yes, I think for 100% that adds more value than is if you were to send it in yourself and get an you know opinion based uh, authentication.
1: Okay, yeah, I, I guess that would be the case for some people. I yeah, as as someone who has just gotten into the hobby in the last few years, you know, I used to think like, oh well, the rare grade, that's really what I care about. But now it does seem there's more and more people who are like, well, the rare grade with the graded auto is more of what I care about. And I would guess that you would see a growing population that. Not only do they want that, but they also want the like pure authentic, uh, authentic guy watching the grading happen or the the signing happen so that they can know for sure. Because I have no doubt there's got to be a lot of fakes in this industry, right? Oh, 100%. I mean, if it, it, PSA, Beckett,
0: JSA, they've all authenticated a fake autograph, 100%, because they're just pro- providing their opinion on it. Uh it, it really does amaze me how much stuff kind of gets through these companies. And it's it's not their fault. I mean, again, they're only going off exemplars, meaning they look at past known autographs that are authentic and they basically compare what you sent in to them. So um it's a challenging business that they're in. I don't I don't envy them. I don't want to be in that authentication business. Um, I think a lot of the older autographs, like the Willie Maze's and the Bay Roofs are probably a little bit easier for them. But a lot of the newer guys just have such short and quick and sloppy signatures. I mean, you talk about a guy that gets an autograph at a baseball game, he's chasing some guy down. Like, it's not a flat surface that he's signing on. It's a quick autograph. I've got to move on to something else. So for them to authenticate something like that is is rather challenging. But yes, I mean, people talk about the good old boy system. Like, do people that you know have a, a connection into PSA or these other companies, do they get their stuff authenticated more than maybe an average Joe sending their stuff in? I mean, I don't have any way to validate that, but I would assume so based off of, you know, how other industries work. So uh, it's a challenging thing, the authentication, man. And that's why I like to do the the whole first party stuff where
1: I get stuff done at the actual signing. Do you, is there a company that you think does a better job at authenticating? So for me personally, and this this just
0: depends on everybody, it depends on where you live too. Uh, for me, I've always used for like my third party stuff, mainly because I'm sending in, uh, baseballs and jerseys and stuff like that. If I don't have it done at the signing, for example, let's just say Jack JSA or PSA or Beckett can't be at the signing. I'll always send to JSA mainly because I've got a, a, a rep here in St. Louis that I can use that gets me stuff really, really quick, or I can send it to the Florida office in Florida. is pretty quick. Uh, I don't like sending it to PSA and Beckett. They're just a little too slow for me. Um, but for, for cards, obviously everything I'm sending into PSA and I'm putting them in the full slab too. I don't do the whole trading card thing when the pandemic was going on and PSA raised their prices to whatever it was, a hundred bucks, 200 bucks, whatever it was, it didn't make any sense to get stuff in the full slab. Meaning it says the card and they authenticate the card and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I was doing just a trading card one, which basically means that, Hey, listen, PSA is just authenticating just the autograph, they're not authenticating the card. And those are really cheap to do there. But so now that PSA is really cheap again, we do the full service lab. So cards, PSA, but third-party authentication for autographs, just like baseballs, I do JSA.
1: Okay, interesting. Um, the We have a few questions also uh, from our mailbag. Do you mind if we hit you up with a few of those? Okay, cool. Um, I was going to have Tyler do some of these, but we've kind of covered some of them. So I don't know. I'm going to try and put some of these uh, as concisely as possible because... Some of our listeners, Brian Rice, I'm talking about you, uh, they get very passionate. They write a lot because they're very knowledgeable about getting grades. But I think one of the uh, questions that I thought was a little bit more interesting was he He basically felt that we are at a time where, kind of what I mentioned before, trading cards are now having to be autographed to be distinguished among all the other ones that are out there. Um he says, Fanatics is clearly building inventory for their online store, but the majority of their cards are low end and they are slabbed by Beckett, which is two things that most collectors don't really want. He, he wants to know, what are your thoughts on these kind of, I guess, this practice of Fanatics getting those kinds of greats or uh, autographs? As far as Fanatics
0: using Beckett and then getting kind of lower end stuff, um so I find it kind of interesting that they're using Beckett. I think I think fanatics might generate their own slab in the future. I mean, why use Beckett? They really don't have any, especially since Beckett has kind of fallen off, right? Beckett is, what, fourth tier grading card company now, which is crazy. Uh, but I think a lot of us saw that coming. They just kind of have just, they've fallen asleep at the wheel there. So I don't see fanatics using or partnering with Beckett. I mean, they're not to say it, but Beckett is way beneath fanatics. So, um, so I think, so going back to the low tier cards, I think, um, for me personally, that's kind of what I focus on. I think a lot of people when they're getting into the hobby, don't have necessarily a lot of money to buy autograph cards. So they kind of want to get started with something in case they want to pivot and do something else. And they don't want to spend a ton of money to get started. So, uh, I think it's smart for Fanatics to kind of get the lower tier cards in there that way they can fit stuff into more people's budget and a lot of those cards are a little bit easier to get, right? They can get a hundred base card done or a hundred silver prisms done pretty easily. Uh, as I think as fanatics kind of starts to understand the card market a little bit more and they start bringing in, obviously they've been bringing in Panini guys. Uh, I think they'll probably start going into more of the kind of the higher end stuff, but, uh, but I like the low tier stuff. I think that's, it's, it's a lot, um, you can collect a lot more for sure. And I think it's, it's not as much money out of pocket for people. If they make a mistake, it's not that too big of a deal. Um, and I, I just I think the low tier stuff is really kind of the future of the hobby, just because a lot of people, uh, depending on how this economy goes, right, a lot of people may or may not have a ton of money to spend on cards.
1: Well, he mentions too about like how Fanatics is doing a lot with making their top tier athletes more exclusive. You kind of mentioned that as well. Do you fear that as a problem uh, going forward? I wouldn't say I fear it. I think it's gonna it's gonna make people pivot.
0: Um, and it's going to make people do a lot of different things. Now, I think the big key indicator for how Fanatics does this is how well sales go. If they are absolutely crushing the card market and selling these like hotcakes... There's going to be no reason for them to allow people to send stuff in, for example, like their next Joe Burrow signing and have to compete with the everyday Joe customer. Right. They don't want to do that. Plus, they only get a limited amount of autographs at these signings anyway. So, for example, like a Joe Burrow guy, might only email, he come in and sign 500 pieces at one time. And so they want to make sure that their stuff is getting taken care of first before other people. So uh, I think it's going to make a lot of collectors pissed off. Um To a certain degree, I think I've definitely seen a lot of frustration on my end. Everybody just kind of, oh my God, another fanatic sign I can't send my cards into. And I get it. It's frustrating for me too, because I've got to read these 10 pages of rules and understand what can be done, what can't be done. Uh, And so I definitely get the frustration. I I totally get it. But I think think in the future, they're probably going to start allowing cards in it, because I don't know if sales are going to be as strong as they may think it's going to be. Um, And I think, again, I think they're going to have to pivot a lot of stuff at some point based off of how those are going and how things are going in the economy, how the overall car market is doing. Because stuff doesn't stay a certain way for a long period of time in this industry. we know, things are always constantly changing. And I think they'll open it back up at some point. So we have a few
1: other questions, but for the most part, we've kind of touched on most of that. So I'm not going to go into all of them. Guys, I appreciate the mailbag stuff, though. Um, I did have something I was hoping to get uh, for the audience tips like you obviously know best kind of marker to use on a different kind of surface. Like I saw something with baseballs in the type of marker to use uh, and what lasts long term, what fades, what color stands out. You know, can you give the guys listening if they're going to try and get an autograph of a player what they need to worry about? Sure.
0: So there's a, there's a couple of different things. It depends on the type of card that you're getting done. Uh, typically, with a, a cardboard-style card, for example, like a 1986 Fleer, Sharpies typically work better on those. Uh, that's just by my experience. Uh, the Chrome-style cards, yes, you can do Sharpies on those. Those work really well. A lot of people have been shifting to paint pens. And the reason why is paint pens... Uh, They have a bunch of different colors that necessarily Sharpie doesn't make. They tend to, quote unquote, pop better. You can do a nice white paint pen on them. You just got to know that with the chrome style cards, you do have to prep them because they're very, very glossy. So you got to prep them with a lot of people use baby powder. I've kind of switched to a white eraser. And all that does is it just gives it a little bit of tackiness to the card. So the paint pen uh, doesn't basically just go everywhere. It's got a nice spot where it can sit there and dry. Um, But paint pens are risky. You know, like it's sometimes it doesn't flow right. A lot of it depends on the athlete, how quick their signature is, how blocky their signature is. Sharpies, if you're unsure about something like the blue Sharpie is the the go to for everything. A lot of people like Stadler, too. That's fine. I'm just I'm not a big fan of the Stadler. I like the a little bit more of a thickness of the Sharpie. But if you're confused about something, always go with a Sharpie on a card, especially a blue Sharpie. If the uh, card allows for that. Uh, depends on what the design is going to be. But if you're going to be doing a paint pen, you got to make sure you prep those cards. Cardboard cards, paint pens, sometimes it depends on the color. Sometimes they don't work very well either. What I suggest doing is if people are getting a high dollar card signed, for example, like you're getting an 86 Fleer signed by, let's just say Patrick Ewing, is just buy a cheap base card from that set, dollar, $2 card, whatever you can, whatever it's available, and test pens on that card. And that way you can exactly say, hey, this pen worked perfectly on this particular card. And then uh, another tip you can do is to take a uh, penny sleeve and draw on the penny sleeve different types of pens and colors and then lay it over on your card. That way you can kind of see what it might actually look like on the card before you make that final pen choice.
1: Nice. Okay. No, that's perfect. That's a lot of information I've never even heard of before. So um, thank you very much for that, Matt. And thank you for all, all of this. Last question for you. Best signature, worst signature of current athletes? Who would you say? <laughs> wow that's a tough one there
0: uh best signature for oh God, current athletes that's a tough one uh worst signature gosh this is a really tough one um a trout's trout's not very good oh really it's, okay yeah trout's just kind of an m M, and then a kind of a big loop uh i he does now see this is what I like about Trout though is, and I wish more athletes did this, is he does offer a full name signature. So if you want Michael Nelson Trout, he writes that all out for an additional cost. So I, I, would, I would like to see athletes do that, like have your standard signature, but then if you want to pay more, like an inscription, I'll give you like my full name with my middle name and all that kind of stuff. And a lot of people like that. They collect baseballs and full name autographs and stuff like that. So I wish people, would, I'm all about options. So I wish the athletes would give you know the collectors options on that to allow for a better signature. Um, but as far as other like good quality signatures, I mean, Derek Jeter's got a signing coming up here. I, he's not a current player, obviously, but I, I like Jeter's signature. It's such so it's so loopy and it's got a whole bunch of flair to it. Uh, I feel like the movie the movie Office Space we're talking about here, you know, the, the pieces of flair they made out, but <laughs> but yeah. I, I like his, it's really it's definitely distinct if you look at it you're like that's definitely Derek Jeter it doesn't spell Derek Jeter to a certain extent but collectors know that that's Jeter's autograph so those would be kind of be my two picks
1: okay all right very cool very cool um power sports memorabilia that is the store that's the social media stuff anything else you want to plug before you take off
0: no, just check it out. Check it out on Instagram. It's Powers Autographs on Instagram. If you want to give us a follow there, that's usually kind of where I engage. I'm not much of a Facebook kind of person, um, but we do have a Facebook page also. Uh, but then the YouTube channel too. That's typically where I I don't do in like investment stuff. So if you're looking for tips on that, I'm not your guy. Uh, I'm just all about just giving people information about the hobby and information on autographs and tips to kind of help better their collection. But uh, I'm definitely not an investment guy. As you've seen with some of these investment guys, they can be, uh, frequently wrong about yeah. 90% of the time. <laughs> uh,
1: no, I, we appreciate that. And I, I actually really enjoyed your YouTube stuff. And uh, you were recommended by some of our listeners as well as someone who they really appreciate. So uh, maybe in the future, we can have you back on, talk a little bit more memorabilia stuff. I know you do some uh, insurance videos too. What we've talked about in the past. I don't know. Overall, really appreciate the, the time, Matt. And I appreciate the knowledge.
0: No, thanks for having me on. This is super fun. Absolutely. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you.
1: All right. And that was Matt Powers. I want to tell you, Tyler, I know you only spoke for about two and a half seconds during that whole interview, but you did a bang up job. The fact that you're from California and now we all know that that was really good. And I appreciate it.
2: Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm glad. (laughs) I'm glad you appreciate it. Somebody, no. or somebody from Tennessee appreciates it.
1: Absolutely. You, you called it God's country, and you weren't wrong about it. And us Nashvillians think you're exactly right. Um, are you going to tell people that you know that you were on this podcast? Are you going to tell them to listen?
2: Oh, I'm, I'm actually, I've already posted it on Instagram. Have you really? Oh yeah. It's, it's, it's out there. I'm <laughs> going to tell all my colleagues at work. I'm, I mean, it's, Bro. it's going to, it's going to go viral.
1: Dude. Well, you shouldn't because aren't you working right now or?
2: I, I am. It's on my lunch is break. This is my lunch break. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I have cool. an amazing boss. She. She's totally cool with it. So
1: <laughs> we're not going to talk about that anymore. Um. Now this, that was an absolute pleasure again from Matt. Thank you. All right we're going to go ahead and start closing out the show. It's been a long one. We do. There's a little bit of mailbag. I told Tyler to read me some questions because I'm always reading to Mike. It feels good to be the one who gets read to, And I'd like to experience. So can you read me a question that, or, or a comment that someone had directed towards me?
2: towards or sports just, or just in general just in i mean there's some pretty good uh conspiracy theories in here yep
1: let's hear a conspiracy theory uh, it's not a question i'm sure but let's just hear what someone has to say
2: high-end sports cards market is primarily funded as a way of money laundering and tax evasion tactics
1: <laughs> who said that dustin
2: peddleton
1: dustin wow man well here's the problem that is not a singular uh argument there are many people who have made that claim i don't No, if I would say I'm not I can't say it's never happened for sure but I wouldn't say it's happening on a mass scale I'd be very very shocked in the fact that there's more and more eyes especially from law enforcement coming into the hobby I'm sure they could tell us that this has happened but I would be shocked to see if someone's rampantly doing this with those eyes now uh, watching over a lot of these transactions.
2: Yeah, that's definitely, you know, something I think the wealthy will save for their cryptocurrency and and go that route. (laughs)
1: Exactly right. That's the fancier way to do it. Not a card. Come on, guys. All right. Any uh, other theories?
2: Yeah, there's a there's another good one in here. I really like it okay. says uh, it's from uh, Dylan Blatz. Mike has taken some time off to learn more about Pokemon and other non sports cards. So that way Geo can keep
1: up with Jesse in these conversations. Mr. Blatz, I have to tell you that. Could not be more accurate. I think that's exactly what he's doing. He hasn't... He's been pretty radio silent. You know, he'll send me a TikTok here or there. He he hasn't really... He's been doing his best to relax, and I think for him, relaxing is learning about, like, all the evolved forms of Charmander, you know, and, and Pikachu and all these things. So I would have to say you're absolutely right. Your thoughts, Tyler?
2: I, I agree. I mean, he's he's definitely on a beach somewhere. Yeah, but he has a Pokemon book. I'm sure. Yes. of it. Yes, yes. He's
1: got his Pokedex with him. He's looking through all. He's wanting to know what should I invest in and or if I start playing Pokemon Go right now, am I too late to get in on this very popular app on your phone, guys? This episode's sponsored by Pokemon Go. That's not true, but that game's awesome. If you're if you've never played it as an adult, it's actually pretty entertaining. Especially if someone drives you around, you don't actually have to walk. So yeah, definitely
2: never played. I do like playing Madden on my phone, though.
1: Oh, what a nerd, bro! Golly. Um, by the way, Pokemon. I didn't. I spent all this time talking about non-sports cards. I do have to just mention Pokemon. It, the the first series and Scarlet and Violet, uh, or the first set, did not do as well. I think there's still time. We'll see what it does over the the next few months to a year. But there is another, there's some other sets about to, to drop, but there's another set I think comes out later this year, I want to say. It's called uh, Pokemon 151. This is the original uh, Pokemon series. Like uh, all the original Pokemon were, there's like 151 of them, right? And that's what this is going to really focus on. Our cards, new cards, um, the VMAX cards, all these ones that are more powerful cards to be used in gameplay, but also tend to have better art and have a little more value to them. That series is going to come out in America, I believe later this year. I, for one, am going to try and get as much of that as I can, because that I think is one of the issues that happened with the set that just came out is there are so many Pokemon that are brand new in that a lot of the people, my age don't really know that. Well, if you were at all collecting back in like, you know what, 20 years ago or how even longer when I was in middle school, those are not the ones you know. And as the people who have money and are buying Pokemon as adults, a lot of times they want to see the car the characters that they knew. So I think that po- that is going to very be a very popular set. Um, any other conspiracy theories, Tyler? No, there weren't there weren't really
2: any other uh, conspiracies. Matt, as you mentioned, he already covered a lot of these questions that people were
1: asking. okay, so. All right. fair enough, fair enough. Well, um, you know what? In that case, this has been a Absolute pleasure of an episode. I hope the, the listeners got something out of it. I hope that just because it's not sports specific related other than the women Yama talk, I hope that they still enjoyed it. Do you, do you have any other words of wisdom you want to share with the audience or any thoughts? Nope. No words of
2: wisdom. No, no thoughts. I mean, it's pretty empty up there.
1: You're playing the role of Jesse to a T my friend, you are killing sports boy jr. Um, I love it. Thank you again to Tyler. Thank you. To everyone listening, we absolutely love our audience. You guys are so kind to Mike and myself. Uh, we, we couldn't ask for a better job and to, to be the guys who hand you the news and the hobby rumors and gossip and all that good stuff. It's absolutely incredible. So while we're saying thanks, let's thank Spotify for f- powering this. No the ring. Oh, brought to you by the ringer powered by Spotify. I should have never tried to change up the wording on it. I nailed it. Mike, did you hear it? I got it. Um, thank you so much. We'll look forward to Monday when Mike is back and everything is right with the world.
0: Big picture.